How's it going, everybody? This is Chris Adams with Beyond the Blind Podcast. You can find us on iTunes at BTBN. You can find us on the Podbean app if you don't want to download iTunes. Um, Check us out, social media, Facebook, BTBN. On Instagram, I believe it's the same handle, and that's BTBN. And uh, you can follow along and see what's going on and... uh, I don't know that's where we're doing that duck call giveaway you can check it out there um it's a really sweet buckeye burl and african blackwood call i really want to keep it myself i uh i fought pretty hard with myself because i wanted to keep it myself and uh really match my collection but i'm gonna give it away to you guys so we're gonna do that by reviewing on itunes and put the duck call And then if you want to jump on Facebook on the BTBN page and find the post that has a picture of the call and comment every episode that you share as an additional entry into it. Episode 25. This is 20, I believe. I'm trying to get to 25 before the end of May. Only a few days left. Um, Is going to be another entry into the duck call giveaway. So jump on to Facebook. Check it out. Leave us the review. Thank you for everybody that's been following along. Um, It's been a a fun little adventure to keep doing. And um, I don't know, just keeps us involved with waterfowl hunting and call making in the slow slow time of the year. It's it's summertime, getting ready to kick off um, this coronavirus. It's just been, it's been a real weird time and seems like everybody's taking on something new. So why not? Why not do something a little bit different? And try to keep you guys involved with hunting. Anyway, enough rambling on. Today we have Rodney Hill of Duck Wild Calls. And uh, he's going to be joining the show and talking to us a little bit about uh, his calls and what he did hunting. So, looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, without further ado. Alright, brother. So, how are you doing today, man? Pretty good, man. Just, uh... Just hanging in there and, you know, like we were talking about, just uh, watching the kids today and, you know, doing a little bit of call making and that kind of thing and, you know, just trying to get some stuff done in the shop. It's pretty pretty wild times, dude. How's this, uh, the corona and all that stuff affecting your day-to-day life? Well, it, well, I'm considered, I guess, uh, what you call like a essential worker. So I work like in the healthcare field. And so, uh, which is a pretty interesting job in itself, really what I do. But, um, so it really hadn't changed a whole lot other than, you know, just pretty much, you know, wearing the mask and stuff like that at work and, you know, certain precautions and stuff. But we really haven't had that many cases in my area, which I live in a really, small rural area so you know we hadn't it hasn't really been that bad but um i've seen some things you know but for the for the most part you know you know like my job schedule and all has all been the same i still go to work just like i was before you know yeah that's uh that's the same with mine i'm deemed essential (laughs) as well and it seems like man with anything it seems like work has picked up more because then yeah. the company started going through like furloughs and stuff like that, and uh, we cut yeah. our manpower by like twenty five percent, and then business took like a one week dip, 
And then it was wow. like, you know, we cut 25% of our people, you know, put them on furlough and then business went right back to where it was, you know, yeah. or really close to it. So now it's been 45, 50 hour weeks, which aren't horrible, but I do a lot of driving and it just gets, yeah. I don't know. There's something I've worked 60 hour weeks and felt fine, but 50 hours yeah. of driving, it just makes me so oh. freaking exhausted by the end of it. Yeah, I can imagine. Luckily, I live pretty. I live only about five minutes away from my job, so it's literally I just jump across the bridge and I'm there. Um, so you know, I don't really have to do a whole lot of driving, and it's it's a state job, uh, so it's a pretty good job. And you know, I mean, it's got the state benefits and stuff like that with it, so it helps support my um, you know family. And then you know, call making is just kind of a thing that I do kind of on the side, you know. And may I really just you know just do it for fun, just out of the the real reason why I make calls is pretty much just because I just love duck hunting so much, and that's really that's basically it, you know. Yeah. And, uh, Keep going, buddy. You know, I just I'm sorry. Um, I just you know what how it how it started in the beginning was just something to to pass time during the summertime, you know, you get to get to the next duck season. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that's so many of the guys stories before we jump off into call making too much. You, um, we haven't said you're a Georgia guy, aren't you? Okay. So I live, (laughs) I live literally on the Florida Georgia line. So I live, uh, stones throw away from, from Georgia, I mean, Florida, Georgia, my address is actually in Florida, but it's, it's the very northern part of Florida that you could get. I could throw a stone into Georgia and I could throw a stone into Alabama. What part? Okay, okay, you're right around that area. I uh, lived right outside Mobile, Alabama for a couple years oh, when okay. I was in the Navy. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, That's not too far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, uh, you're close to that Pensacola area then, maybe? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I'm actually east of Pensacola about two hours. Okay, like north yeah. of Panama almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm about 45 minutes um, north of Panama. Okay, perfect, Panama man. Oh, I love that part of the country, dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The spring breaks and all that. You know, I grew up going there and all that back <laughs> in my younger years. Yeah, my but, mom uh, let me go to spring break when I was 16 with a buddy who was 18. And, uh, oh, wow. and Panama, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now looking back, I asked my mom, like, oh, my God, what did you think? And she was like, you were going to do what you were going to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> she's like the the best thing I instilled upon. She instilled upon me was just being honest and transparent. <laughs> she's like, you were yeah, gonna do what you were gonna do. I'd rather know. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy down there for sure, and it's changed a whole lot too down there. Uh, you know, from back in the day, back whenever you know I used to go back in school when they put a lot more restrictions and stuff on it. You know, and you can't do anything you know that you used to could do. That's wild, man. So what the the whole COVID thing down there was yeah. that was the last hurrah. I was in on Bourbon Street the weekend that it all went crazy. They shut oh, down wow. Yeah, they shut down Bourbon like three hours after we left New Orleans and went back to Missouri. Yeah. And that was the same weekend that spring break was down there and everybody was freaking out. It, yeah. <laughs> what was the I don't know, have you have you gone to the beach or anything since? Um, let's see. I don't think. Uh, 
No, I haven't been down to the. Uh, we haven't been. Um, we hadn't been since the Corona uh, thing is hit. So I really not. You know, I really don't. We've been out and doing things though. I mean, you know, because they've had some things shut down, but you know, uh, a lot of things here kind of went on. You know what I'm saying? So it really wasn't. It didn't really. Uh, it's it's affected us some, but like I said, it's not a whole bunch. But we haven't went down to the beach or anything like that. And I think that we plan on going though, and uh, and not too long. We usually go a couple of times a year, you know, because it's so close. So we could just go down there and you know hop down there for a weekend. And a lot of times we can just go for the day because we live so close to it, you know. Yeah, man. It's a like I said, I I love that area being so close to there, man. We would go to Pensacola, Panama, Mm -hmm. and then we'd bounce over New Orleans and stuff. I just love the Gulf Coast. It's just a different feel than anywhere in the world. And um, I lived out on the East Coast up in Virginia Beach, and going from the Gulf Coast Beach to Virginia Beach is just polar opposite people wise man it's just so everybody in the south is just so much nicer and i i don't want to offend anybody on the east coast but yeah it's the southern hospitality is a real thing man oh it is it for sure is and that's you get accustomed to it when you you know when you live here you know and and it's just kind of ingrained in you i guess the way it is you know you you're taught that's the way that you do you know what i'm saying so it's uh that's just the way it is you know you're fine to anybody and you give you you know if if somebody's in need you you help them out and that's just kind of ingrained in everybody here and and to be honest with you i've always thought that was just the way it was and i'm sure it is you know in most places but i guess it's a little bit more relevant here you know it's it's definitely it was a huge culture shock i'm from missouri and um it's pretty laid back we're I don't know. It's it's more of a southern feel, but people like to think they're in the south up here. I'm like, if you've yeah. never been south of I-10 or live south of I-10, yeah. you don't know where the south yeah. is. And uh, going from down there to where everybody is just, you know, the way that it is down there to up to the east yeah. coast. And you go into like, you know, Walmart or something like that, and the cashier doesn't even acknowledge that you're there. From yeah. on the east coast and i'm like dude what is going on this is the weirdest thing ever they just put out their hand waiting for your card or money and don't even acknowledge you're there and i was like this it was a culture shock for sure yeah 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 i've been up around uh around uh springfield i went to that big bass project that y'all mm-hmm. have there mm-hmm. and uh i went up around uh uh what you call uh branson <laughs> we went there one time <laughs> and then uh you know, we rode through. When I rode through, I, one thing I noticed because I went, went, I did a lot of traveling or uh, doing competition calling. So that's what I was doing. Was going up there to Rogers to, uh, to 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 the contest up there. And so a lot of times, whenever I'm traveling, I, I look for places to hunt. You know, as I'm traveling to these contests and stuff. I remember riding by Truman Lake. And I've heard you talking about that a couple of times, and uh, it looked beautiful too. I remember, you know looking at it just you know the way that it looked it looked like it was ducky you know but man there yeah it's with truman there's the side that you probably went you know going across the bridges and stuff there's um it's a pretty deep lake out by the uh the dam and stuff that's you know power plant all that good stuff but the side that you go on the highway 
yeah. is extremely ducky. It's nice and shallow, and it's just oh. a, a big lake. And it's the first thing, really, once you get south of the Missouri River, for yep. the birds that don't follow Missouri River all the way to the Mississippi, it's kind of like their first staging point. Yeah. But it's tricky because it's so big, and it's an hour and a half from Kansas City, and an hour and a half from Springfield, and uh, the guys that don't get drawn in at the big public hunting draw areas will always go out there. And then there's a couple guide service that run out there. I don't really know how you're allowed to guide on public land in Missouri. Yeah, Yeah, in Missouri, you're not really allowed to do that. So I don't know how they're they're getting about that. I'm not calling anybody out for anything like that. But but there's a lot of competition and it's just far enough away from me that I don't go out there and scout it religiously because it's an hour and a half to go scout it. And yeah. um, I don't know. It's a it's a really good lake for the guys that live up there and know it like the back of their hand. But for somebody yeah. that's traveling an hour and a half away, I have a few you know great spots. If the water is the right height mm-hmm. and we had the right amount of flooding, there's a lot of really good flooded timber that I know of. But it has to be within like three feet of flooding and it only happens like once every five years yeah but um missouri is a really a really nice place it's nothing like down south and that's always funny because you're talking about traveling and scouting for birds and my little brother lives down in uh tampa and clearwater and on the way down that's all i'm ever doing is looking and going right there when you hit that florida georgia line and i'm sure you Mm -hmm. really hate saying that with the band taking that name (laughs) yeah yeah but um it's really flat but as soon as you get into florida dude there's i can't remember what highway it is that crosses in but it's like if you were cutting over to panama but then gonna go south to i-10 there's that in between. Uh-huh. It's probably something that you're on all the time, but there's yeah, so many yeah. like flooded timber things right off the yeah. highway. Yeah, we got a lot of like. Okay, so Florida is like it's not it's not nowhere near in Florida and South Georgia, but mainly Florida. It's nowhere as near as good, but it's a lot. It's kind of like Louisiana in a way. The habitat, kinda. Uh, it's not nowhere near as good, but. Uh, we have a lot of like uh, cypress uh, swamps and stuff, you know, and so when you're riding around, a lot of times on the road, you just see, you know, you'll that you'll see them all the time, you know. That's a lot of people hunt those, you know, around here, you know, most of the time. And you know, we have a big lake that I live at, it's uh, Lake Seminole, which is primarily known for bass fishing because we have really great bass fishing and a lot of tournament uh, tournaments and all, you know, they. Uh, fish them on Lake Seminole, but that's where I do a lot of my duck hunting at, and it's a big, you know, it's a big, huge lake, and half of it's Florida, half of it's Georgia, so when you hunt, you have to have a Florida license and a Georgia license if you want to be able to, you know, hunt, you know, like you need to, so it's kind of crazy, but, you know, um, we usually, uh, we're primarily like uh we get teal and diver ducks and we got a big population of canvasbacks so a lot of people that come here from like atlanta and and down south florida you know they come up here and they're they're chasing after the canvasbacks and down in south florida you know they're known for the blue wings and you know and model ducks and all the um whistling ducks tree ducks that kind of thing 
It's yeah, it's um dude, it's such just a different variety cuz here in Missouri, you know, it's all mallards mainly. You'll get your uh your gadwall and stuff like that. But yeah. uh down there, man, cuz that was one of the things I was looking at because I I really wanted to move to Tampa when I got out of the Navy, and that was uh-huh. one of the things I was scouting was like different duck hunting opportunities and there was just so it's just so limited compared to what you would have in Missouri just because I don't yeah. I'm sure it's not as limited as I'm thinking in my head but you yeah. know you start getting on the maps and uh yeah. looking at different places and then you start thinking about the temperature and duck hunting season and you get that far south and I'm like nope never mind. I'm not playing with gators and the freaking uh yeah. the pythons yeah. That's the deal that you have to worry about down here. For one thing, uh, now here where I live at, it does get cold, but not, you know, it's not going to get, you know, the coldest it'll probably get is maybe like 20 degrees or so. But during, now down south, it, it never gets, you know, 60 is about as low as it gets. But, uh, you know, when we hunt up here, you know, we have to, that's our real concern is having to worry about gators. So, you know, during early kill season, um a lot of times you know we have we usually have a pretty good early teal season so um a lot of times when you shoot the teal you know we'll we won't take a dog at all because you know if there's too many gators and so uh when you shoot the bird you got to pretty much go right then and go get it because if you don't we've had a bunch of times where we lost birds to gators you know they'll just come up and get them nope 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 Is that just part of life down there that you just accept yeah. it? Does yeah. it? Do they bother you? No, not really. And and during, I've never had a situation with one. Um, there's been a couple of times during regular duck season that you know I've been waiting, and you know there's been one fairly close. Uh, I've heard a couple of stories where you know some of my buddies had looked down and they seen one you know right here yeah. you know within arm's reach of them. Nope, but. Usually during that time when it's if it's cold, they're not they're you know they say that's the time when they're hibernating or whatever. But what it, if you see one, they're really lethargic. You know, it's kind of like a snake. You know, if you see a snake during the winter time, you know usually he's really lethargic. He's not you know moving around a whole lot. And that's kind of how the gators are. You know, they're they're really not going to bother you that bad. You know, but uh, mm. it's still a concern though. I don't want to walk up on one so. Yeah, well, I've seen pictures of them where they just put their nose up above the water. And, yeah. like, I've seen pictures where, like, the ice will freeze around their nose when they're in that lethargic yeah. mode. And yeah. uh, you know that they're docile at that point, but, uh, yeah, no, from from Missouri, that uh, I have zero yeah. interest in that whatsoever. I'll eat them all day long. But oh, yeah. They're not a puppy dog to me like some of those Cajun people think they are. Uh, oh, yeah, and, uh, you know, during teal season, like I said, we can ride back into, uh, you know, like a little slough or something like that. And we got the light, you know, going through, you know, the water. And we're looking with our, um, you know, spotlight. And then all you can see is just, you know, alligator eyes all oh. over the place. So it's it's crazy with the gators and stuff like that. But, you know, we managed to get by, you know, with the, <laughs> without having an incident. So... But well, it's you know, just life, you know. What's that? It well, when you when you're down there around it, I'm sure it's just part of life. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we see gators all the time. I mean, if you when you go fishing, you're going to see a gator. You know, I've seen some humongous gators. You know, up on the bank and stuff like that. You know, and so I mean, you know, I mean, we see them all the time. It's not, you know, it's not nothing unusual. I've actually had some of my competition uh, calling buddies come down here. You know, and and they was like, man, I want to see a gator. I want to see a gator. And I'm like, man, it. Well, I'm gonna take you to see one right now. You know, there ain't nothing to see one. <laughs> yeah. We had a gator farm when I lived in between. It's right at Pascagoula. I don't know if you know where yep. that's at, Mississippi. There's oh, yeah. a gator uh, swamp boat tour thing right there, mm-hmm. and uh, that was always like one of the big things that everybody wanted to do when they came down and visited me. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, um, go ahead, buddy. They had. Uh, they have, you know, we can't hunt gators like they do on, like, swamp people or anything down here in Florida. They have a really strict rules about it. You have to draw for a tag, and then I think you can kill, like, two gators. And I don't never really do it. Uh, my brother, he does, but and he actually draw for a tag. But you draw for a tag, and I think you can kill two gators, but you can't just run up there and shoot them or put a hook out. You have to, like, use a uh, fishing pole somehow or another and a bang stick. That's how you have to do it. So it's not like, you know, the swamp people way, the way they do it. Man, that, yeah, no. I, I'm I'm not hunting anything that can hunt me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's just something about being on land versus being on water. It's kind of like that old yeah. shark thing. Like, oh, yeah. I, goes, I was in the Navy. Like, I, I'm not mm-hmm. scared of the ocean. I love the ocean. I hate being landlocked and living in Missouri the day that my kids go all go to college. I'm moving back to the coast. But uh, yeah. I don't want to be in the water with a shark. If I knew it was a shark and I saw uh, it, I'd be running on top of water. I'd be the oh, fastest man, man ever. <laughs> oh, me too. That's that. That's one thing. That's why I don't like. I don't like to swim around here. The one thing when you grow up, you learn, and even in the ocean and around here, I don't like to get anywhere in the water and swim around or be anywhere in water where I can't see my feet. If I can't <laughs> look down and see my feet, I don't want to be messing around in it. Dude, it's a yeah. It's there's just so many things out there. It's it's crazy. Yeah. So I feel like we've we've uh see that's why I like the podcast, man. You never know yeah. what the hell to expect until yeah. you're just in it. So you live right. down there in my favorite part of the whole country. Um, yeah. I love the South. I love that area of Florida. I've always been a big Florida State fan. I I grew up oh, loving Florida State baseball. And then football, naturally. The Braves have been my favorite team since I was probably five years old. So I have oh, to man. ask you, being where you're at, is yeah. it Knowles or Gators? Oh, man. I'm a Seminole all the way. There you go. That's my man right yeah. there. And all my life, man. I'm a Seminole. I've been, you know, I've been struggling, but, uh, struggling the last couple of years. But, you know, um, I, I've been a Seminole from the time it's been ingrained in me. So... Yes, sir. Well, Jimbo left, and it just caused all sorts yeah. of havoc down there, man. Yeah, yeah. And I, I and and I, I hadn't kept up with it a whole lot lately, so I don't really, you know, I hadn't, you know, uh, kept up with a whole lot, a lot with it. But from what I've been watching and seeing, this new coach, um, he's supposed to be turning it around somewhat. So we'll see what happens with that. I haven't followed it too much since Winston left. I watched it a little bit. One of my best buddies from up here in high school, his little brother was the uh, 
number one kicker in the nation a couple years ago, and he ended up going oh, to be wow. the, the punter at Florida State for the last couple of years, and he just transferred to Arizona State, I think, Logan, uh, Tyler. But uh, So I follow it a little bit, but, yeah, yeah. man, it's been tough times. Oh, yeah, for real. Over, over the last couple of years, they struggle. So you said you're a competition caller. I know you qualified for yeah. Worlds a couple of times, so – yeah. Tell me about your hunting experience. Did your dad start taking you out, or what was the uh, situation like? So, whenever I was younger, yeah, my dad, he started taking me, uh, you know, first thing I did was deer hunted, you know, and that sort of thing, and then, uh, you know, I did some squirrel hunting and that sort of thing, but uh, later on, we had a guy that was around here um, that was a friend of the family, and uh, he took me and my dad, um, he took us on a, on a, our pond that we have. It's a cypress pond, like one of those ones you're talking about. Uh, we own about a 40-acre cypress pond. And so he wanted to go, so he, you know, said, well, look, you know, I'll take you all down there, y'all, you know, if you all let me go down there. And, you know, then, um, you know, kind of be show you all how to duck hunt or whatever and show you all what it's about. So from that point on, I, I killed uh, my first ringneck that morning. And from that point on, you know, that was it. So... I pretty much dropped the deer hunting and stuff, and you know I I laid with the with the duck hunting, and then uh, I don't know I just continued on you know continued on duck hunting uh, since I've been probably about I think I was about ten years old then, and uh, I started going on trips out of state like to Arkansas and hunting the timber. And I went and doing that, and then that kind of got me into okay. Well, I need to know how to duck call. I need to learn how to duck call, you know, if I'm going to be hunting and traveling. So, and it kind of snowballed from there. So once I learned how to duck call, you know, then I was like, you know, and I'm the type of person where, like, uh, I constantly want to improve, you know, on myself. And so, I, you know, I was what I I wanted to be the best. I could be and know everything that I could know about duck hunting, you know, because I mean, you know, that was the the best way I knew how to be successful with it. So um, that then I got into the competition calling, and so from there, you know, I just uh, I competition. I let's see, I qualified uh, four different times. Now the last couple of years, I hadn't been able to go to many contests uh, just because. Uh, I recently got married over the last couple of years and had children, and so it's a lot harder, you know. And so, um, but I qualified four times uh, here in Florida and then uh, in the Great Great Lakes Re- Regional in Michigan and uh, went up there to the Worlds. Um, it's tough competition. And uh, I've done, I got to the second round uh, a couple of times and uh you know for the most part that was it but then that's where i started uh making calls that and all was about the same time i started competition calling and i probably uh i talked to uh, i knew uh, bryce decker he was a friend of mine and so um this was back whenever the tho forums and all that was going on mm-hmm. so Back then, you know, I didn't have, you know, anything to really look at that much to, to learn how to make duck calls. So, you know, I just kind of had to learn on my own, you know, for the most part. And I watched some videos and stuff on YouTube 
But for the most part, you know, I, I asked, you know, questions to some people and all. And uh, I started making some calls. And then um, I think Bryce, he put up a post or something on one of the Facebook uh, things back then. And uh, I had a whole bunch of people, you know, wanting them at that point in time. And, and really, truly, I really wasn't ready for it. And I, I, I wish I would have waited a couple of more years, you know, to uh, – to you know, to just so I could have everything perfected, and you know, you know, I I felt like I, I wasn't quite ready. But anyway, so I've been doing it now for probably about ten years or so, I think. Um, so you know, I just been continually trying to you know better it, and I'm kind of more seasonal. You know, during duck season, you know, I'm not going to be in the shop too much. You know, I'm going to be pretty much uh hunting and that's about it so you know i'm more of a seasonal you know uh call maker kind of you know i do it all the time but you know if it's duck season that takes priority a lot of times so well yeah you're a busy guy got a a lot of stuff going on man with the family i feel you it um it feels like the dog days of summer the way especially down there i can only imagine up here in the spring, I'm usually going full speed, and in the fall, right before season, I'm usually going full speed. When it starts getting really hot, I slow down, and when it gets really cold and it's in the middle of season, I'm not going to be in the shop at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's that's about like I am too. I mean, I well, not, most of the time through the summer, I usually run all through the summer. It's just those. It's just that time during duck season that. You know, I'm usually I'll go in there a little bit if I get some orders, you know, or anything like that. But uh, for the most part, you know, it's from you know February pretty much on through turkey season, and then on through the summer, and uh, then starting about September, that's when teal season kicks in, and then you know I start dwindling off from then. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that, and. Uh... I don't know, man. It's it's definitely a fun thing. It definitely makes the season, the off season, go by so much quicker. Yeah. You were you were talking about competition calling, and I I've talked to a couple other competition callers on the podcast, but nothing too in depth. And yeah. uh, there for a while, I was doing a lot of streaming and following of the competition calling. What do you yeah. think? What have you seen the difference between when you were really into it a lot versus, mm-hmm. you know, the last couple of years? I, everybody keeps saying that it's falling off, it's dying off. Yeah. What's What's your opinion on it, man? It's hard to say, man, because I really don't uh, – t- okay, the time whenever I got into it, this was a time whenever, you know, okay, right but a couple of years before I got into it, competition calling was booming. You know, I mean, like it was – the Jim Ronquist, uh, you know, John Stevens, you know, time right in there. And, you know, they, I mean, it was really popular. There was even, you know, it was quite a few years before, but they were even on ESPN and all that, you know. And I got in just a little bit, a few years after that. And so it was still, you know, fairly popular. But I, as time went on, um, you could tell that the participation in the contest, there wasn't as many people, you know, showing up. And I don't know if that was just because of the economy or, you know, you know, 
I really don't know if they just, you know, if they there wasn't enough, you know, they wasn't catering enough to the youth, you know, started because you know that's that's a lot of you know the future of competition calling, and so um, you know, I really I'm really not sure because I think that the, just people the payouts there's only a few contests that pay out really good and the thing is if you're going to competition call it's more it's it's more like a uh a self uh it's lack for lack of a better word it's more like a self-improvement thing you know it's it's more uh you're not in it for the money in other words you know and uh you know you're there are only a couple of contests that would pay and you would cover your whole trip. And that's if you won, you know, and those contests are huge and they got the best callers, you know, in the world, you know, and, uh, you know, I think maybe, maybe that has something to do with it. It's, you know, it's, it's, I think some people are just like, it ain't really worth it, you know? And it's such a, it's such a fickle thing because when I started doing the live streaming and stuff like that, um, The reason that I had started live streaming and trying to cover it a little bit more is I had been to Rogers for the Waterfowl Weekend, you know, the last couple of years. And you always stop off at the competition and, you know, hear it. And I was always interested in it. And uh, Kansas City's only two and a half hours. I didn't go just for the competition. I was going for the sales and, you know, just check out, see what's going on, see old friends, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And um, one year I had... Uh, hernia surgeries like the day before rogers so i couldn't go and i was trying to check out and see what was going on in the competition and the like i was having to text people and try to figure out through facebook through different things of who the heck was winning who was placing you know what was going on with it and it was just kind of a big hassle and i was like man somebody needs to get this all up to date at the time it's happening you know, because uh, Mike Eddy with uh, Calling Ducks did a really, really good job oh, yeah. of updating all that stuff. But it usually wasn't, you know, it's not instant. This is the instant generation. Yeah. So I was like, somebody's got to yeah. have a better system for doing this. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I started doing was trying to cover that and going to these events and live streaming it. And, uh, you know, every time somebody won something or where the place was, I put a post yeah. up instantly. So yeah. within, you know, five minutes of the winners being announced, there was a post up and people could go check it out. And go watch the yeah. video, and that's and where I the. Be- that was a really. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 you're good. You're good. Um, I thought that was a really good thing too. By the way, I mean that was that's a really good. I think that that was a really good idea on your part for for sure. Go ahead though. I'm sorry. No, no, no you're good. Um, yeah, the idea was just to get it out there to you know not even the people that are calling or interested in calling, but just uh, the more fans. And I went to um, Ballard County, um, was one of the big ones, and it was the last year that Tim Grounds was hosting that. Uh-huh. And you had Hunter, Shanahan, uh, Kyle was in it, um, you had Teddy Hoover, you know, you just had some really, yeah. the best, you know, I think, uh, yeah. I can't remember the duck calling as much there because there wasn't as many of the biggest names there. But uh, yeah. you had the top four or five guys in the whole freaking world in the Goose Call competition, and it was me uh-huh. live streaming it, and I think four other people were there at this ten thousand or $1,000, $5,000 payout, like one of the bigger payout competitions, yeah. 
And it was like, where is the freaking crowd for this thing? You're watching, yeah. you know, some of the best guys go against it. And then you go to other competitions, being in the Midwest, that I was really fortunate to be here because I'm two hours from everything, three hours from all the biggest stuff. Exactly. And um, you see all these super small crowds. Even the Bass Pro at Memphis one, which Adam Davis does an amazing job organizing all that. I don't know if he still does yeah. it or not. But um, he did a really good job organizing all that stuff. But the the fan, the concentration of people checking it out, stopping by, like, you know, just casual people like me being at Rogers the years before that and just checking it out, we're just not there until you hit Stuttgart. And then yep. you get 50,000 people on one street all checking this thing out, coming from all over yep. the country, people that had nothing to do with competition calling are stopping yeah. by and watching this thing. And it's, it's just this weird puzzle of if you don't have the people checking it out, the sponsors aren't going to pay money to keep funding this thing. The payouts aren't going to be right. as good. The people – so it's something – there's there's a – I think it's a broadcasting problem of getting it out yeah. there to the people. Because if you see yeah. more younger kids out there watching it, and yeah. uh, succeeding in it, then more younger kids are want to get into it. And there's a lot of really good callers right now that yeah. are uh, mentoring a lot of the younger guys, and they're doing a really good job. And yeah. um, I think that's really, really huge. But I think getting more people out there viewing it that are uh, fans, people that are just interested, I don't know, the, the crowd people, because that's what drives yeah. the sponsors, and that's what drives the big-name call makers to keep coming, or not call yeah. makers, but the callers to keep coming out to making good competitions. It's just, everybody has their thing. I've, I've heard Shanahan go into these big, huge in-depths of why he thinks it's dying off, and all of yeah. them are valid points from all these different guys, but it's nobody has figured it out, and... Uh, I just hope it doesn't keep getting smaller and smaller because it's something that I enjoy, even though I there's no way in hell. Jimbo asked me one time to fill in for a competition because they were short to make it a sanctioned competition. Yeah. And uh, yeah. somebody else yeah. was overheard and jumped in and helped out. And I was like, oh, thank yeah. goodness, because I don't want to go up here and embarrass myself. But uh, yeah. it's something yeah. that I hope doesn't freaking die out, man. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, because it really and truly, it's a huge tradition in in duck hunting. And, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I I really, I'm not sure what the specific thing is. I think it's a bunch of different things, like you're saying. Uh, Me personally, um, which is not really, you know, if you're a competition caller, it's a long, hard road. You know what I'm saying? So, and... You know, and it, for me, living down here, you know, you're obviously going to have a better advantage if you're around the call makers, you know, to where you can, um, you know, go get help and, and practice with them. And, and I did do that uh, a lot of times, uh, and I, I believe for Echo, and they were really helpful. Everyone, David St. John's, uh, Rick Dunn, Jonathan Morton, uh, all them guys, they, they helped me out a ton. And, uh, I, a lot of times, though, I had to do it, like, over the phone and stuff like that, and uh, it was just really hard. But I, I think nowadays, you know, people have – the younger kids, they have, you know, with Facebook and everything, they have access to get the best help, you know, that, that they can find. You know, the best callers in the world are, are out there, you know, and they're willing, you know, to help. Um, I just – 
I, I like you're saying, I think you're right. It's it's more like a broadcast thing, and it's kind of hard to find information about it. And you know, even with me <clears throat> growing up duck hunting, you know, I seen uh, competition calling and I seen the contest and Stuttgart on TV, like on the Outdoor Channel and stuff. But whenever I, I was like, there's no way in the world I would ever be able to get on that stage. I don't even, you know, there's not even nothing around here, you know, for me to do that. And uh, I didn't happen to find out, you know, to later on, you know, that that I could even blow in a contest to even to even get in the world, you know. And um, so I think I think you're, you know, you're right about that. I think it's it's hard to get information. I think that you know economically, you know, people are, you know, you know, I guess they're like, well. There's only so many contests that pay out, you know, it's good. And I know all the little small contests, they're great, too. I mean, it's not saying nothing bad against them at all because they're great. And, uh, you know, I, I go to every one of them that I can. If, if there's one that I can go to, no matter what, I go to it. And that, that's just because I love it. And, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's not really about the money or anything. And it's just about me trying to improve on duck calling. And that's the reason why I got into it first place. It wasn't necessarily to be a world champion. I mean, obviously, I'm a competitive person. I played baseball, so, you know, I'm, I got a competitive nature. But the main reason I wanted to – I want to get as good as I could possibly get on a duck call. And I knew that that was a way to do it. And so, you know, in those – you know, in that sense, I did reach my goal with that. And I'm constantly still trying to improve. But um, – you know, I don't know. I, I think that I hope that it don't die out because it's really something that needs to stick around. Like I said, it's a tradition to to duck hunting, you know, because it's been going on forever. And I hope that somehow or another it can kick back up and, you know, um, just pick up, you know, and just, you know, hang in there. I hope. I, I hope so, too, man. And I uh... – I think that what you said about being so isolated, um, you know, it's tough to remember. Not everybody lives right here where there's there's literally eight contests, you know, eight three of the biggest contests in the world, aside from Easton, are all within like four or five hours of me. So yeah. the guys that are so far away and having to get plane tickets to come out here, it's a it's a big expense. And I don't know, like like I said, I think if more people get to see it, and I really love this with the call makers, I want to start getting more competition callers back on here because yeah. just competition callers and call makers and stuff like that, they're just such interesting guys, and they're so in-depth. If yeah. you spend time around these guys and you yeah. get inside that click that everybody's inside yeah. of, they're yeah. just there's so much competition. It's interesting. It's a yeah. story to tell. Well, usually what it is is these guys are extremely, you know, they're diehard, hardcore, you know, duck hunters. And a lot of times people will say that people at the competition call can't hunt ducks and all that stuff. But that's that's not even, you know, nowhere near, you know, their competition the callers don't get out there and, and blow hell calls, you know, 30-note hell calls at ducks. They're not doing that. It's just pretty much, you know, uh, it's just like an instrument you know that's all it is and and i think that you know the competition callers especially the really good ones and you know i was just a mediocre competition caller but you know these guys are competitive and i mean 
that's you know they're spending hours a day and uh you know they're spending a lot of you know time and money on it and you know it's really interesting because it takes a certain person to be that way you know and so i think a lot of that's where that comes from you know yeah yeah i agree man yeah you know it's it's just like i said they're so interesting they're so driven um everybody's the same everybody is happy for another guy you know there's squabbles and all that stuff but there's a lot of really good ambassadors for the uh for the sport of competition calling right now and a lot of guys that are getting youth involved and i don't know i'm i'm excited to see what happens and i hope that they figure out a way to widely distribute to make it more entertaining because like i said you see all these other little competitions, small ones, and then you jump into Rogers, and you're like, wow, this yeah. is impressive. There's, you know, yeah. 100 people out here. And then you yeah. go down to Stuttgart for the first time, and you're like, holy crap, you can't get cell phone service. There's so many people uh, out here. Yeah. It yeah. is insane, and, man. And if you're a competition caller, you know, the first year, I, I'll tell you this, this is how it was for me. Uh, you know, my first year that I went there and actually blew on the world stage, it was I was probably nervous, more nervous then because I, you know, I was really intimidated. You know, I'm looking at all the people that I've watched on TV and seen and, you know, all my life. So I'm looking at all of my people that I look up to, you know, in duck hunting and, you know, I'm all around them. I got to blow a duck call in front of them. And then I get up on stage and I'm blowing right behind Brad Allen that, you know, he won that year and <laughs> he sounded like a freight train, you know, coming through there because he's got so much power and, you know, so and then you stand up there on stage and you got you know you know however many people looking at you you know but after the first year you know what really happened with me was that you know you got like 70 something callers up there and it's a long process to get through it and um you know what happened with me was after the first year i pretty much i was more nervous during a regional contest trying to qualify than i was on worlds because you know at you know if unless you're like one of the big big guys you know you're not really expected to win you know so you don't have a whole lot of pressure on you and then but a lot of times that can be dangerous because you know you got some kid that's just coming into it and they're hungry as all get out and they've been working for months you know trying to get their routine right and they come up there they ain't got nothing to lose you know what i'm saying so yeah they get up there and you know so that's that's i was more along those lines after that i quit getting nervous because you know i mean you know so many people up there it's just like you know i mean there's so many people calling you know and so you just you just don't have a lot of pressure on you and that's the thing in competition calling is is if you're winning a lot of contests you get the pressure on your back that oh you should win this contest and then that gets on your back and then that that gives you even more pressure you know to win and to do good and uh you have to be you have to keep your mind right up there or else you know you'll you'll be done you know made mistakes all over the place yeah and it it's there's so much of a a mental aspect in it you know i've talked to shanahan so many times and he's a very controversial controversial something figure of where he guys either love him or yeah. they don't understand him. And the guys yeah. that don't understand him typically don't like him because they just 
he's the Conor McGregor of the freaking competition yeah. calling world. Yeah. He goes out there to be a heel, to get under people's skin, to, you know? Yeah. And some guys will be like, oh, that's not the right way. That's, you know, we have to do it this way. And yeah. he he does it for a reason. But then you have other guys, you know, that, like a, a Logan Hancock or something that they don't yeah. say a word. They just yeah. jump up on the stage and rip it and go with it. And if they win, they yeah. win. And, you know, it's... It's it's so interesting that I I just want people to get back out there and start watching it because yeah. it is it's just fun man if you get involved yeah. with just oh, watching man. as a fan it's so much fun and it's really funny when you were saying Stuttgart that first time that I went out there you yeah. know me and my buddy were going out there to do this the stream and we're just sitting there hanging out and uh, it was the first time we've been out there for worlds and yeah. uh, I'm sitting down talking. And, you know, just watching all these different callers, and it's like, oh, heck, man, you know, there's Jimbo, and yep. heck, you know, there's John Stevens, and then Rick Dunn was sat down next to me and started talking to me while I was running the live stream. Yep. I look over, oh, hey, how's it going, Rick? You know, yep. like, it's just all these yep. different guys that you grew up idolizing and watching yep. of your little yep. thing, and they're just, you know, hey, there's Brad Allen, and, and freaking, it's oh. Actually a, it's actually a small world. You know, but, and, you know, you think, you know, in, in my mind, the way I thought, I will, ne- I'll, you know, I'll never meet these guys or nothing like that, you know, but it's actually, once you get into it, it's, uh, you know, it's a small world. You actually end up meeting everybody, and everybody is really, you know, helpful and kind, you know, especially at Stuttgart. It's just an awesome place to be at, man, because, you know, duck season's about to kick off during that time. It's just starting to get cold, you know, I mean, there's really nothing else else like it, man. I mean, it's. It, I, I hope it continues. I hope you can continue to do uh, your thing too with the. Uh, uh, if you haven't, I hope you uh, get back to it. I hope it can get to a point where you can, you know, because uh, I really think that's. I think it's helpful, you know. Oh, you're talking about with like the live streaming and all that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever get back to doing it. I. Uh... I stepped on some toes when I did it. I uh, everybody, you know, the way that it goes with that stuff is like right now I'm interviewing you. So if we're at a call making competition, I've interviewed. I have you know different buddies in call making, different guys that I've talked to, and I consider friends. So I want to see them do well. So I had different callers and um, that I'd talked to and interviewed and stuff like that, where I just sat down and spent time with them like this or in person. So when they jumped up on stage, I'm like, all right, man, that's cool. And then you see a, you know, a score or something, you're like, oh, dang it, man, they got cut. Or they yeah. get a score, and you're like, damn, man, I thought it was a better routine than that. And you start saying yeah. stuff like that. The guys yeah. that you hadn't gotten a chance to talk to yet, yeah, because like you said, you work a job, you turn calls. The same thing with yeah. me, man. Like I hadn't yeah. got the chance to talk to yet, like I'm talking to you now. They yep. were like, well, hell, why doesn't he think that I should have this? And a lot of guys right. got super upset. I took a yeah. lot of really angry phone calls that night, and I was just like, you know what? I, that's not yeah. why I got into this. I really enjoy seeing the competition, but I, I'm not going to get in a fight with somebody about a damn duck yeah. call competition that I'm not even involved in, you know? Right, so, right. I mean, I don't know. I I hope that it picks back up, and I'll do whatever I can through interviewing and sharing stuff. I don't know if I'm gonna get back into the live streaming or not, though. Yeah. It uh, yeah. I don't know. It just it rubbed people the wrong way. It well, kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I was putting in a lot of time, effort, and money into the thing, and it just I was like, dude, what? I'm trying to help you guys out, 
And, uh, right, exactly. It was well, a kick in the pills, the man. Yeah, and it's already, you know, it's a really opinionated, you know, ordeal. And, you know, that's a lot of, you have a lot of that, you know, going on. But, you know, I, I mean, it's not, if you're trying to help grow the thing, then, you know, it's not really nothing on you, you know. But, you know, that's how some people get about it. And it's okay. I understand why they do because just like me yeah, going yeah. out there and traveling all over the place and trying to record it, they're spending God knows time, money, all that stuff to practice and hone their craft. So they're going to get offended when uh, you know I don't say something positive about them or something like that. So I yeah. get it from their standpoint. I think it was a big miscommunication, a lot of things. And yeah. I also, man, I went from doing – a little article with a call maker to two months later when I streamed worlds, I had like 250,000 people watch it over a 24 hour span, like huge, huge, huge. I had, um, an ammo company that was wanting to sponsor it and it was a different ammo company. Winchester was actually sponsoring the competition. So they were competitors and I was like, man, I think this is going to be a big legal thing. So I don't think that's a good idea. And, uh, you know, it was getting ready to explode. The numbers were getting really, really big. It grew faster than I thought it was going to. I'm just one guy in a garage. You know, I wasn't prepared for it. So I got caught up in it, too. It was exciting. But enough with all that freaking nonsense, man. This is is about your calls. And I would say that you and I are the closest. I get hammered all the time for being a freaking <laughs> DLC guy. Oh, man. And I've done as much as I can to try to separate. And then you sent me a picture, and you're like, no, but we're actually pretty close. And I was like, damn, dude, we're a lot closer than I realized. Yeah, I, I didn't know it neither. And I, I've had, I haven't had a ton of people say it, but I have had some people say that. And even my name as well, Duck Wild Calls, it even got, and the thing was, is whenever I started, you know, Bobby, he had been started a few years before me, but honestly, you know, uh, you know, I was just coming up with my own thing and, you know what I'm saying? And coming up, that's the kind of shape that I liked on a call. And so that usually is what happens a lot of times, um, is, you know, you make something, you think, oh yeah, this is good. And then, you know, you put it out there and then. Later on, you find out, oh, man, this is kind of close to such and such is called. <laughs> and it's not on purpose, but it just happens. But And so that's why, you know, I don't really think it's a huge deal because, you know, the main thing is, and, and this is just the way I look at it, but, you know, the main thing is the sound, in my opinion. And I guarantee you, if you were to put mine and your call up or, you know, together or mine and yours and a DLC together, you know, the measurements and all that is not going to all come out to be the exact same call you know it's a way that all three of our calls is probably going to be completely different you know uh it just i guess it just kind of looks you know similar but that goes back to the old old thing you know you know everybody you know that makes cut downs and stuff you know they kind of go off of that you know model and it looks all similar to that and you know you're just gonna have that in my opinion you're gonna have people that you know that's just the way uh you know, if you're in retail of any sort, you know, some of the things that you make are going to be similar to others. And that's just, you know, there's only so, in my opinion, there's only so many shapes you can make on a duck call that's going to look, uh, you know, pleasing in, in, in my opinion. So, 
Well, and I agree, man. You either, the way I tell guys and new guys want to start, you don't go out there to a purposely intent to copy somebody. But at the yeah. end of the day, if you're putting money into making calls, you're going to build something that you would want to own. Yeah. And uh, it was really funny because Korea actually had a uh, a con artist in one of mine, and somebody who had just been fucking commenting over and over and nagging me about it. And he finally yeah. sent me a picture. He's like, "Do you have a con artist anymore?" I was like, "No, man. I got rid of all that when I uh, I got rid of most of my collection that I had before call making to pay yeah. to start up call making." And he's like, well, here you go. He sent me a picture of one of mine and uh, Bob's next to each other. And the dimensions, I think mine's like a half inch longer. And it's just, yeah, it looks nothing I've, alike. Yeah, and I, I've seen that post too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. posted it up there, yeah. yeah. And then uh, yeah. I'll occasionally get a message, something about yours. And I'm like, no, dude, Rodney, I was like, I'm pretty sure he started like his, sh- that your shape. Like I went yeah. back and looked and. I was like, I'm pretty sure he started it like a year before I did. And we've both made minor tweaks with it over the years. And I was like, and he's a good dude. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. And and I still, I'm still like, even right now, the calls that I put out this year so far, I'm still trying to tweak it and do different things with it to get it, to get it away from, you know, anybody else's, you know, shape. Because I, you know, you know, obviously you don't want to be the exact same. But, you know, so there's little things that I've done that I've tweaked and, you know, that sort of thing to make it a look just a little bit different. And, uh, you know, which I, I come out with, a, I've come, I'm coming out with a uh, newer uh, model this year, and it looks uh, a little bit different. Um, lately, what I've been really hitting on is the uh, teal calls. I've had a lot of people asking about the teal calls. And so, um, you know, which that's, you know, my area down here is teal. So, um, I've been making them for probably about, about 10 years. So, uh, I have a lot of guys around here, especially around my area, they get the teal calls. And, uh, so that's been really popular for me. Um, and my duck calls too, but, uh, the regular mallard calls too, but, you know, um, teal calls is kind of like my, you know, bread and butter, butter. That's what, you know, I really, it's what you grew up doing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) It's what you know better than anything else. That's like, uh, you know, guys that are asking me, you know, to do different things. And I'm like, well, I've never even freaking, I'm trying to think I've talked about it in the past, but it's like, I've never even done this type of hunting. How, how can I possibly make a spec call? The only time I shoot specs is when they come in with the honkers three times right. a year you know like right <laughs> it's just yeah. not for me yeah and now with being a competition caller and and i've done a lot of traveling i, I was in uh clubs and stuff like that in, in mississippi uh i hunted all over the uh, you know place and usually uh you know most of my life every you know i would spend probably half of the duck season out of state you know so i you know i've hunt mallards and stuff like that so I hunted the timber a lot, you know, in Arkansas, and we had some fields in Mississippi, and so I learned a lot through that whole time, you know, uh, when I first, when I started traveling, and that's when I really learned about, you know, um, you know, hunting big ducks other than teal and stuff like that, and then, you know, I just kind of, I would take them, at that point in time, I wasn't really selling calls, but I was just making them to use just for myself. And so I would take them out there and, you know, try them, see how this works, see how that works, you know. And I just kind of 
went on from there. Kind of went off of my competition calling, you know, because you know I I knew how to blow a duck call. I know what's supposed to sound good, and that's another good thing about being a competition caller is, you know, you know that if you make it, you know that uh, it should sound good. If you know if you're if you can call on a stage, you know it should sound good because you know how to run a duck call, you know. So, uh, which that don't necessarily mean that everybody, you know, that don't, don't know how to, because I've heard some really good calls and uh, had some really good calls that people that are not. But, um, you know, that's, uh, I just kind of learned throughout the year. I just kind of went on, you know, as, as I went on, you know, and I've asked, you know, different people for help um, here and there, but I'm not really the type of person that's just going to call somebody, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of to myself a little bit, you know, and I kind of lay low a little bit, you know, and that's probably a downfall of mine, but, you know, uh, you know, there is a few close people that I've talked to, Stump, he's, you know, he's a friend of mine, I've known him through the competition calling, he's helped me out a lot, you know, and uh, there's, you know, a few other ones too, you know, that's helped me. Yeah, man, I I totally get that because I'm very, very similar in that way. Aside from, like, I'll share a picture of a call that I'll turn. And the majority of my social media activity is through this. And, like, the BTBN is, like, 95% of my social media activity. Other than that, I'll just post a picture up of a call. And I was always the same way. I never wanted to ask a question to somebody if I hadn't done countless hours of trial and error and research myself because i didn't want them to be like oh he's just lazy you know yeah yeah exactly and that's my that's my thing behind it too you know i wanted to make sure for one i wasn't going to sound like an idiot you know talking to somebody and then you know when i should have already researched it and done this or done that you know and so that's just that's just and then plus whenever i started making calls there was some stuff out there you know, like the the forums and stuff like that. That was really big back then. But there wasn't, other than that, that was, you know, there was no way to watch it. You know, they had YouTube, but there wasn't a whole lot of videos on there about, you know, making duck calls and stuff. So the whole tone board thing at that point in time and insert, you know, you just had to do it and, you know, learn how to make it and on your own. And that was it, you know. Man, the loss of the THO game forums. I know not a, nobody's on there posting and updating anything, you know, because yeah. he had gotten rid of it. Nobody had been using it for a long time. But so many guys, like I know for years, I had got on there and just read conversations about different yeah. ideas and thoughts. And that yeah. wealth of knowledge uh, and discussion oh, over 10 years that now is just gone. Yeah, it is. is. That's a shame. Man, it's because tough. That, I got a lot of information from that as well. I mean, there was just just about any question that you could think of in call making, it was on there, and somebody would ask it, and you could find out, you know, what you needed to know, you know, uh, you know, you could find out what you needed to know about it. So, Yeah, man, it was just – it was a – an encyclopedia of everything it's it's a shame it's almost like if all the call makers got together and were willing to pay his you know website address fee every month it'd be worth it right it would be because it's just it it is it's just this online freaking encyclopedia of information and different experiences guys have had what worked and didn't work and 
You can yeah. do it now, and guys jump on call nuts and ask a question. And there for a while, when a lot of new guys were starting, the same questions were coming up three times a week, and the always, you know, answer was, "Did you look it up in THO?" <laughs> you yeah. know, and now yeah. that doesn't exist. Yeah. So it's like, dang man, I there's nowhere for you to even go for me to, you know, give you a hard time about not looking it up first. Yeah, there was a few good uh, forums back then. There was another one too, and I. And I don't remember the name of it. It was just a smaller form, but uh, it had a whole bunch of really good information about um, inserts and um, uh, tone board stuff and all that. Because back then, if you if you asked a question about a tone board, there was nobody was going to give you a straight up, you know, okay, this is if you saying here, this is what it's going to do. If you saying here, this is what it's going to do. Nobody was going to give you that information. You had to figure that out on your own, you know. Um, so you know there was a, there was a few other forums that was okay for it, but that one man it just had everything. Yeah, it was a uh, it was great, brother. Well, I'm yeah. really glad to see you out there. It seems like the last like three or four months you've really fired up the customs. I've always yeah. been you know obviously I'm a huge fan of your work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, well, I I love the way that your approach is you know on you've been doing the little slight checkering and different stippling yeah. and stuff like that like i i just all have always love the look of your stuff too man it's yeah my yeah. buddy I travis too. oh thanks man i appreciate that what i was gonna say is my buddy travis sipe owns um duck wild oh, yeah. um yeah waterfowl duck, duck wild mm-hmm. outfitters whatever i'm giving him a free yeah. plug on here but that was how yeah. i actually first saw your calls was I was going to message him, see what the heck, something, I don't know, typed it in on Facebook, and I was like, oh, well, heck, let's check this out. And I was like, oh, yeah. that was when I first realized how close yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's no big deal. I mean, you know, I, I ain't worried about the least bit, you know, so, you know, I mean, and it, like I said, the sound's what matters, and, you know, I think that, you know with call making you know and and i don't know everything but you know if anybody ever try i think that it's best if you know everybody and that's the way it is everybody does try to help one another you know to the most you know to the most you know that they can you know and um you know i think that's the good thing about call making and i think uh, there's a lot of guys that you know are you know there's a tight knit group you know out there and you know call makers and you know you can relate to those people because you know what they're doing you know what they're going through you know what their life is about because you know you're doing the same thing they're doing you know if you're you know you're working you know eight or ten twelve hours a day and you're coming home you're making calls for you know an hour or two or three and then you know you're going in there and spending the rest of the day with your family and you know it's uh it's really cool you yeah. know yeah i've always looked at us as like this weird little brotherhood of guys that are going out and spending the wee hours of the morning out getting dusty and while yeah. everybody else is asleep and we're drinking coffee and you know jamming out to the radio making wood piles it's just this yep. cool brotherhood of guys that bond together through common experience and it's it reminds me yep. so much of being in the military and i just absolutely love talking to guys like you and myself and other call makers because we just have so many similar experiences and uh mindset man yeah well man i appreciate you doing this i meant to tell you that but uh i really appreciate you doing this uh because this is uh there's not enough 
you know, out there uh, today, you know, to because it's interesting to know about, you know, other call makers and, and how they started and how they got into it. And, you know, because everybody's story is just a little bit different, you know, and their purpose in doing it is usually a little bit different, you know, and it's really interesting and, you know, uh, I'm glad that you started this thing up. I've listened to every one of them so far. So, you know, um, I, I enjoy it. Well, I really appreciate that, man. It's, uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of a big dork with that kind of stuff. I, I, I almost get romantic about the idea. Like, I just, it's the love, the pure love for the art. And yeah. um, just the connection with, you know, guys like yourself and all of us. Yeah. And hearing people's stories and, you know, just being like, well, hell, man, this guy's one of the best guys in the game. And he had all the same stupid thoughts that I had when I started, you know, it's like, and I've had other call makers that had just started, you know, two or three months. And they're like, man, I'm so happy to hear that, you know, I'm not alone in this feeling. And it's like, hey, you know, you could be the next, you know, Brad Samples or something like that. You never know. We've all been in the same place. And we're... yeah. The same group of guys that are just doers, you know. Not, yeah. There's so many people that are like, "Oh, I want to do this. I want to, I want to join this club, or I wish that I could take up this thing." And it's like everybody that's a call maker was somebody who thought that and just did it. Yeah, that's didn't make exactly excuses, right. man. That's exactly right, and that's 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 usually what it takes, you know. You, and then that's how it worked for me too, you know. I mean, I something I wanted to do, and I just said, you know what, I'm. I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to try to do it. You know, what's the worst that uh, can happen? You know, I didn't make a bunch of firewood or either make a good duck call. And, you know, at least I can learn a little bit something. And that's the way I'm, I'm a type of person. And I like to, and it don't matter what it is, whether it's call maker or not, but I like to absorb everything that I can. And I want to know how things work and you know why people are doing what they're doing or how they got to where they are for some reason that's interesting to me and so you know that's the great thing about this this year and uh you know it's just it's really interesting you know to um to listen to that kind of stuff well i appreciate it brother and i appreciate you giving me some time tonight and uh like i said man i really enjoyed the stuff that you're kicking out lately it's been it's been fun to watch you get more active at least in the social media aspect of sharing your work yeah. because your stuff is amazing and I think more guys should know about it. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. I really do. I appreciate you having me on here as well. Yeah, brother. All right, man. Um, heck, it's damn, It's already been an hour. I just now checked the clock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a time warp. This thing is yeah. a time warp. You, you get lost in all the different conversations yeah. and it goes by quick yeah. brother i know it did it did, it did go by fast <laughs> well you get inside and you get some sleep and uh like i said man i appreciate it and uh i'll probably throw this thing up late tonight and okay. uh, yeah i'll make sure to share it again in the morning so the guys can check yeah. it out yeah man well thank you again man and keep up the good work and uh i'll be listening to them so thanks thank buddy you, all right brother take care all right take it easy thanks all right, guys, that was Rodney Hill from Duck Wild Calls. Man, his stuff is amazing. And uh, I don't know, just the different outlooks from call making, competition calling, to hunting, to the South. It's just fun. This stuff is fun. It's late. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Jump on social media. 
follow us on Instagram, Facebook. This is episode 20. Episode 25, I want to do the giveaway, the duck call. Get you a Buckeye, Burl, and Blackwood. Thanks for everybody who's already entered. If you haven't entered, you better do it. Probably in the next week it's going to be done. So thanks everybody for tuning in.